Good morning. Good to see you guys. Hey, um, I heard, uh, I read this obituary, or actually Paul Harvey tells this true story. This woman, husband passed away. And so uh, she wrote a four-page obituary and took it down to the local newspaper. When she got there, the clerk said, ma'am, this is great, but do you know we charge 50 cents per word? Well, she was stunned by that, and so she asked for the uh, four-page obituary back, and she uh, kind of got it down to a little simpler. It simply, uh, she wrote on the back of the paper and handed it back to the clerk, and it read, Sam Brown dies. Well, the clerk said, ma'am, there's a minimum of seven words. So she took it back. She thought for a minute. She kind of counted the words on her fingers. And then she wrote this. Sam Brown dies, 88 Ford for sale. <laughs> now, what are they going to write about you uh, when life is over? I always wonder that, don't you? We are in the uh, three weeks into this uh, series that we have called Life, One Month to Live. And we're exploring... What would happen in our lives if we knew we only had one month to live? What would we do differently? What would we invest in? What would be important to us? And then we're trying to ask, how do I live that kind of no regrets life right now? We're kind of based it on this passage in Scripture. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, Teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. And we're trying to be wise about some particular things in our lives. So far, here's what we've talked about. If you've missed the first couple of weeks, let me quickly catch you up. In the very first week, we talked about the fact that real life comes from Jesus. Uh, and that is possible because He overcame death, came back to life, resurrected. And He wants us to have a life that is full of vitality and abundance. Not someday, but right now. In week two, we talked about how to live passionately. We talked last week about how uh, to create more space in our life for God because there are so many things in our culture that get into our lives and they kind of crowd and squeeze the passion of our lives right out. And sometimes we've talked about the fact we need to do something drastic to create space in our lives for us to be passionate. We talked about the importance of doing something that will last into eternity and not just stuff for here on the earth. Well, today, as Dan said, I want to talk about the third part of this, and that is how to love completely. That's what Jesus challenged us to do. In fact, Jesus had a very brief encounter with uh, some religious leaders of His day, and they asked Him one question, and His response to their one question tells us what the priority of life ought to be. So I want you to open your Bibles uh, to Mark chapter 12. If you brought your Bible with you today, go ahead and open up there. We're going to look at a few verses, and you may want to write some things in here as we Look, if you don't have a Bible, as you leave today, out on the tables, there are some Bibles. Please pick one of those up, uh, make it your own, and when you come back next time, bring that Bible with you. Mark chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 28. Here's what happens. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had, Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? Now, understand the depth of his question here. When he asked of all of the laws which is the most important, he was referring to the fact that the Jews had recorded 613 decrees or laws. And so when he asked this, he's saying out of all 613 laws, which is the most important? Well, Jesus responds this way, verse 29. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, those may not be very familiar words to us, but those 
first few words there would be very familiar to any Jew because the beginning of any worship ceremony would have begun with that. It was called the Shema. And they repeated it very often. Then Jesus says this, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus instantaneously summarizes the entirety of the Old Testament. He takes a, a verse from Deuteronomy. He takes another verse from Leviticus. And Jesus says to them, this is how you love completely. This is how you live out the entirety of the Bible. This is the priority right here. Jesus says you need to love God and love people. That's how you love completely. Now that's a pretty tall order for us, isn't it? Love God, love people. In fact, just to give you an idea of the depth of this, our God is a jealous God. Do you realize that? And He he wants us to love Him completely. In fact, Jesus uses one word there four different times that helps us to understand how God wants us to love Him. In fact, I'd encourage you in your Bible, if you ever take any notes in your Bible, circle the word all in that in those few verses there. You see that it's there four times? Jesus says, I want you to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That's the kind of complete love that Jesus says we need to have for God. Again, that's a tall order, isn't it? Have you ever taken some time to think about the fact that Jesus describes that, that love in four different ways there or sort of categorizes it in four ways? I want to take a minute and kind of dig into each of those this morning, just for a second. First, Jesus says you are to love God with all of your heart. This is a, a pure love that Jesus is talking about. Now, I know when we think about our heart, we usually think emotions, don't we? But in this particular case, I don't think Jesus is talking about our emotions as much as He is talking about loving with purity and sincerity. In fact, I think the Bible makes it really clear a little bit later in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says this, The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Sincerity, purity, integrity. That's the kind of love that God desires from us. Now, you know what? It is very easy for us to gather together on Sunday mornings. And, you know, we can come to a place like this and we enjoy the music and our band is really good and we uh, maybe we're touched by something that somebody says along the way while you're here and maybe there's a video that we show and there's something in it that really pulls one of your heartstrings. And in this kind of environment, it's pretty easy for us to say, oh, I love God with all of my heart. But is that really a pure love if the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday, you never take any time to really talk to God? You never take any time to read from His book, the Bible, and you invest a lot of energy in your life doing things that God has said are wrong. That's not the kind of pure love that God is looking for from us. And you know what? I, you may be able to fool me, but God knows your heart. In fact, I like what Max Lucado writes when he uh, writes in one of his books. He says this, 
He says, we too easily open the doors of our hearts. Anger shows up and the doors open. Revenge needs a place to stay, so we have them pull up a chair. Pity wants to have a party, so we show them the kitchen. Lust rings the bell and we change the sheets on the bed. That's not a pure love. That's not the kind of love that Jesus says we're to have for God. Jesus wants to live in our hearts, but only if He can have it to Himself. Jesus said, love God with all of your hearts. Next, Jesus says, love God with all of your soul. This is a passionate love. God does want us to love Him with our emotions and our feelings. And this is that part of it. You know what it's like to be in life to be, uh, just to be so passionate about something? It can just kind of consume our life, doesn't it? And when we're really passionate about something, it absolutely spills over into our conversations, doesn't it? Jesus says that's the kind of passionate love God wants you to have for Him. God wants to be the last thing that you think of when you, before your head hits the pillow and the first thing that you think of when you wake up the next morning. God wants you to love Him with your emotions and your feelings, with your passion in life. Unfortunately, in a lot of our lives, the greatest story ever told has become the greatest story never told. Next, Jesus says, we are to love God with all of our mind. This is a love that is born out of reason and logic. And you know what? Beyond having these feelings for God, God says this love is based on, on logic and reason. Our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ is not just an emotion and a feeling. It is based on logic and reason. We can know the facts. And in fact, the Bible would teach that the more we know about God and who He is, the greater the depth of our love will be for Him. As a Christ follower, I don't have to check my brain at the door. I can dig deep and find with reason and logic that my faith in Jesus is well-founded. And again, the more I grow to know about Him, the more I love Him. Finally, Jesus says we are to love God with all of our strength. This is a powerful love. It's kind of exemplified in this idea in 1 John chapter 3. We read, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Now, in other words, it's not just about having emotions and feelings. That's a good part of our love for Him. But John goes on to say in his letter that he writes in 1 John, it also ought to be a love that is born out in our actions. We ought to demonstrate by our actions every day that we love Jesus. Our love for Jesus will be demonstrated in how we use our abilities that have been given us. How we use our time. How we put into action our faith. Jesus seems to model the idea that the most powerful kind of love is seen when we begin to serve. When we begin to serve God, when we begin to serve other people. That, Jesus says, is a force to be reckoned with. And so Jesus says, if you're going to love completely, if you only had one month to live and you really wanted to be serious about loving God, then you would love Him with all of your heart. 
with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. There's an interesting verse a couple of chapters, chapters later in 1 John that says this. It says, we love Him because He first loved us. Do you? Do you love Jesus because you understand the depth of His love for you in the first place? You see, I think for a lot of us, our struggle is not that we don't love God enough. Our problem is that we don't understand how much He loves us. And if we ever were to fully grasp the depth of Jesus' love for us, then we would be willing to surrender every part of our lives to Him. Because we would understand the depth of His love for us. One of my favorite Christian artists is Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's won a lot of awards, Dove Awards. In fact, I saw him performing last night on the Dove Awards. I don't, to be honest, I don't know if it was live or not, but we were watching at our house and uh, watched him perform. And uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife Mary Beth have six children, three of their own and three uh, girls that they have adopted uh, from China. And maybe you heard some of their story about a year ago. In fact, a year ago next month, there was a tragic event in their lives. That several of the children were outside playing on their farm that's just outside of Nashville, and they were just having a great time playing. And their 17-year-old son, Will Franklin, was driving back home in, his, in the family SUV. And as Maria saw him coming, she got all excited. There was her brother, Will Franklin. And so she went running down the driveway to greet him, but not really paying attention to what she was doing. And young Will Franklin was driving slowly up the driveway, but... He didn't see his little sister coming, and he hit her. She was very uh, gravely injured. As the family was trying to tend to Maria, Will Franklin kind of went into a state of shock and got out of his truck and just began to run away. His perceptive older brother, Caleb, went chasing after him and literally tackled him. Kind of held him down, hugged him, prayed with him and over him for a moment. And as Will began to calm down, the two of them began to walk back. Maria was airlifted to a nearby hospital. And later on the Larry King show, Stephen Curtis Chapman relayed kind of what happened next. There was a family friend who was at the house, and so they all got into the car, several of them, and were driving towards the hospital. But as they were driving down the driveway, Stephen Curtis looked back and saw Will Franklin incredibly distraught over the accident that had happened. And he thought to himself, I'm probably going to lose one child today. I don't want to lose a second one. So he rolled down the car window, stuck his head out, turned around and screamed, Will Franklin, your father loves you. And I would say to you this morning, your father in heaven loves you. And he wants you to know that. How do I know that He loves you? Because of the cross. And no matter where you are in life, no matter how many mistakes you've made, whether they were accidental or intentional, our Heavenly Father loves you. If you only had one month to live, here's one thing I know that I would want you to know. Our Heavenly Father loves you. Again, how do I know that? Because the Heavenly Father allowed His one and only Son to die on the cross 
for you. And if you had been the only person alive, He still would have let His Son go to the cross for you. And from the cross, Jesus shouts out, Will Franklin, your Heavenly Father loves you. Jeffrey Ray, your Heavenly Father loves you. Matthew Tyler, your Heavenly Father loves you. Kathy Renee, your Heavenly Father loves you. And on and on the list would go. He loves you. In fact, I want you to do something. I want you to help me out here. When I count to three, would you just say out loud your first and middle name? Would you do that with me? One, two, three. Jeffrey Ray, your Heavenly Father loves you. There's no better reminder that we have of His love than when we share in our time of communion every week. Simple reminders of the incredible depth of the Father's love for every one of us. us, that gives us the ability to love Him, but it also in this natural progression of things says, not only am I able to love God, but through His love for me, I am able to love other people. And the power for us not only to love God, but also to love other people is found in the cross. There's an incredible quote that I read this week. I think this is uh, so true. Let me read this to you. It says, you only have to have two loves in your life, love for God and for the person in front of you at any particular time. It's true, isn't it? I am to love God, and God says I am to love any person that is right in front of me at a particular time. I uh, happened across the saddest obituary that I have ever read, and I want to read some of this to you. It's, it's true. Uh, it was uh, posted in the uh, Valley Ho Herald Times in California, uh, in, on August 7th of last year, uh, it's the obituary of Doris Aguilar, born in 1929 in New Mexico, left us on August 7th, 2008. And here's what the family wrote about her. Dolores had no hobbies, made no contribution to society, and rarely shared a kind word or deed in her life. I speak for the majority of her family when I say her presence will not be missed by many. Very few tears will be shed and there will be no lamenting over her passing. Her family will remember Dolores and amongst ourselves we will remember her in our own way, which were mostly sad and troubling times throughout the years. We may have some fond memories of her and perhaps we will think of those at times too. But I truly believe at the end of the day all of us will really only miss what we never had, a good and kind mother, grandmother and great-grandmother. I hope she is finally at peace with herself. As for the rest of us left behind, I hope this is the beginning of a time of healing and learning to be a family again. So I say here for all of us, goodbye, Mom. Now isn't that the saddest thing you may have ever heard in your life? And here's the sad part about it to me. It's too late to do anything different. The damage is already done. And she is gone. Which causes me to ask this question. If I only had one month to live, what would I do to love the people who are right in front of me? 
Let me suggest this morning a couple of attitudes that I think that we ought to have in our lives if we're going to obey what Jesus said in the second part of that, uh, that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, that we're to love people. Let me suggest a couple of attitudes. First, it's found uh, in this verse in 1 Peter 1.22. It says, Love one another deeply from the heart. We are to love people deeply. We are to love our spouse, our children, our parents, our neighbors, other Christ followers. We are to love them deeply. Now, what does it mean to love them deeply? I think this is an authentic and genuine kind of love. It is a sincere kind of love. In fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says, um, love must be sincere. Now, what is sincere? Well, this uh, word that's found in the original language here was an entertainment term. And maybe you've seen in movies today where uh, the same actor will play multiple parts through the technology of green screens and all that kind of stuff. Well, in ancient Roman plays, an actor would play several different parts, but not through technology, but simply by wearing a mask. This was the best I could find yesterday. Actually, I found some that were a lot worse than this. And so, you'll remember this part, won't you? So will I. Um, they, would, they would just wear a mask. And when they was time to be a different character, they'd switch to another mask. And I'm sorry, I only have Batman. But they, they would wear maybe two or three different masks throughout a production, changing different parts, pretending to be somebody different. Paul says in that verse that we read, love must be sincere. The idea is that we are to love people without masks. We're not to be actors pretending to be something that we're not when we love people. He says this kind of sincere love will not be a counterfeit love. And a counterfeit love is something that we kind of we fake, we pretend. It's very much on the surface. And we all do it at times, don't we? We're around people that we think, oh, we don't really care for them, but we act like, oh, you know, everything's great. A sincere love is not a counterfeit love. A sincere love is not an insufficient kind of love. And an insufficient love is a a failure to love somebody fully and completely. It's kind of a conditional type of love. I will love you as long as you play your part. I love you as long as you meet my needs. I love you as long as you fill in the blank. A sincere love is not a selfish love. You know, I know we always say that the opposite of love is hate, but I think I might object to that. And I would say the opposite of love is selfishness. Making it all about me. A sincere love is not a selfish love. Another thing about loving deeply is found in this verse. In verse Peter, 1 Peter 4.8 it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. If I love someone deeply, I will love them even when they make mistakes. Because we all do, don't we? Another reality about loving somebody deeply is I put my love into action. I don't just talk about loving them, but I, whoever is right in front of me at a particular time, I demonstrate my love by serving them. I put my love into action. I need to love deeply. There's another 
thing that I think needs to be true. If we're going to love people completely like God wants us to, then we need to be willing to um, forgive irrationally. Forgive irrationally. The Bible says this in Colossians 3.13. Get along with each other and forgive each other. If someone does wrong to you, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. Jesus taught this over and over again. The reason that I am supposed to be willing to forgive other people is because He has forgiven me. Now, I think sometimes we have the wrong picture of relationships. How many of you love the, the smell and the feel of a new car? Let me be honest. Yeah, especially most guys, right? And some women. I mean, there's just, it's great, isn't it? I mean, it's nothing like buying a new car. Forget about the money that you owe on it, but buying a new car and smelling that smell as you drive it off the lot and the paint just glistens, the feel of those new seats, the smell of that new car. But what happens over time? The paint fades. The smell of the new car turns to the smell of old chicken nuggets. And we get tired of it, don't we? We grow bored with it. We try to reinvigorate the smell. We go to the car wash and we have them spray that uh, new car smell, but that only lasts a few miles down the road. And then we're thinking, well, it's time for a new one. I'll trade it in. I'll get something more exciting. And sometimes that's how we've treated relationships with people, whether it's your spouse or a friend. You know, when the relationship first begins, it seems so wonderful and we embrace the relationship and there's a newness to it and it's so enjoyable getting to know this person. But as time goes along, we get sort of bored with it. We grow less tolerant. And we're ready to trade it in for something else. Maybe we have the wrong picture of relationships. You know, maybe we ought to view people not as a new car, but as a box of broken pieces. And when you think about our lives, isn't it true for all of us? We carry around this box of broken pieces in our lives. Now, if you take all of those broken pieces and you work with them carefully, you can take those broken pieces and you can put them back together and you can make something incredibly beautiful out of that. And maybe that's how we ought to think about relationships. That we, we all are a box of broken pieces, messed up lives. And our goal in relationship with people ought to be to help them begin to put those broken pieces back together to make something beautiful. And when I look at you and realize that you're, you're a box of broken pieces just like I am, how can I not forgive you when you mess up? And Jesus demonstrates throughout His life that if I'm going to love someone completely, then I have to be willing to forgive them. And maybe you protest, but Jeff, you... You don't know. You don't understand about this person. And maybe I don't. But I know what Jesus taught. Jesus said, you forgive others because you have been forgiven by God. So I wonder this. If you were to get to the end of your life, if you really only had a month to live, and somebody was to begin to write about your life, what would they say? If someone was to stand at your memorial service and eulogize you, what would they say about your life? If somebody were to write an obituary and they were willing to spend a lot of money to put it in the paper, what would they write about you? 
if I only had one month to live, I would want to make sure that I loved completely. So they would say of me when my life comes to end, He loved God and He loved people. Remember what Jesus said when the religious leader asked Him the question? Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is this. You love your neighbor as yourself. If you only had a month to live, wouldn't you want to love like that? Why not start living that way right now and begin today to love completely? God, I thank You for Your incredible love for us. And Father, I honestly believe that if we could somehow really get our minds around the depth of Your love for us, if we could fully grasp that, God, it would change our lives. So God, I ask You today to help us grow in our understanding of how much You love us. And Father, as a result of that understanding, would You increase our capacity to love You with every part of our lives. And God, would You increase our capacity to love the people that are right in front of us. To love them deeply. To forgive them irrationally. To value them in the way that You value them. Father, I thank You for what that can do in our lives as You work in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.